Hello and welcome to the Pondering Polymath podcast. My name is Zita Porter and today we are continuing our discussion about the service industry. A polymath is a person of wide-ranging knowledge or learning and we're definitely covering a lot of areas of the service industry throughout this month. Today we're covering restaurants with my friend Sophie who has worked as a server and a bartender at Midwood Smokehouse in Columbia, South Carolina. I've been friends with Sophie since our freshman year at the University of South Carolina, and we were both tour guides together, so we talk a little bit about that in the interview today. But with that, we're going to go ahead and get started with the interview, and I hope you guys like it. All right, welcome to the podcast, Sophie. I'm so glad you could be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So to start off, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you're up to now? Yeah, absolutely. So I just graduated college in May from the University of South Carolina Honors College as a nursing student. I actually passed my boards last week, so I am officially a registered nurse. And starting tomorrow, actually, I will begin my move to Nashville, Tennessee, where I am going to start working for Vanderbilt University Medical Center as a nurse resident. So basically as a registered nurse in the, in the new graduate role, essentially on a surgical step down unit. Wow. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. It should be good. Yes. And so we're here today to talk about your time in the service industry. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got started in the service industry? Like what was your first role and kind of how you got to Midwood? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has been a time, I will tell you that. <laughs> so originally I started like lifeguarding as soon as I turned 15 and I kind of stuck with that and didn't really get into the service industry until my sophomore year of college. So by then I was 19 and really needed kind of some extra money because my on-campus jobs weren't cutting it for me. <laughs> um, it's really kind of what landed me looking for something different. And so I originally started at Kaminsky's Dessert Cafe and I went there at the time I lived at 650 Lincoln on campus. So it was super close to the Vista area where Kaminsky's Dessert Cafe was located and the hours were perfect because Kaminsky stays open so late. I was working as a hostess and as a host, sometimes I wouldn't even have to go in until 8 p.m. So I could still stay really involved in my clubs and organizations on campus and still manage to work a part-time job and make extra money. So that was going really great for me, worked out great, but I, I didn't realize how hard I had it compared to other service industry jobs until I kind of moved. So at the time at Kavinsky's, I was technically hired on as a hostess, but I was hosting running all of the to-go's, which were a lot because it was a dessert place. And I bust and reset every table. So I was also a food runner. Sorry. So all <laughs> of those are wrapped up into one. I and mean, it was a really busy restaurant, although it was just dessert. So I definitely probably wasn't getting paid the hourly that I should have and didn't really realize that until, you know, on the back end, because hindsight is 2020, of course. They also forced me to train at Pearl's next door, Pearl's Oyster Bar, and I really didn't like working there. I don't even remember why. I just recall hating working there compared to Kaminsky's, <laughs> and they really, like, kind of forced me to do that. So then COVID happens. I think it was for the best because they laid me off. All part-time employees got laid off. So oh. I was laid off from my little job at the dessert cafe. And at the time I was like devastated about this because I had just spent all my money on college spring break. 
But once again, hindsight is twenty twenty. It ended up being dramatically for the best. So I moved back home during the start of the pandemic when, you know, no one was really at work. And then I started looking for jobs. I actually interviewed with Lowe's Home Improvement here in Charlotte because nothing was really open at oh. the time. I was really scraping the bottom of the barrel. As it turns out, Lowe's did not call me back after my interview. And they started looking in <laughs> Columbia because I had an option to move back there. I basically saw on the service industry page, like Facebook page for Columbia, that Midwood Smokehouse was hiring. And that is a restaurant that actually started here in Charlotte that I used to go to. My family has like loved that restaurant for years. Didn't know they had one in Columbia. and was like, oh, well, you know what? I have nothing better to do. I'll drive down there and interview there. See if I can get a little job serving, make some money. Because I'd always wanted to serve and Kaminsky's want to move me up. And so I drove down here, interviewed, literally walked away with a job that day, serving, doing exactly what I wanted to do. And the rest is kind of history. I, I got that job May, the end of April, beginning of May of 2020. And I just worked my last shift at Midwood last week. So mm-hmm. it ended up being almost two and a half years that I was there. I've been bartending for about the past year at Midwood as well. So definitely had the opportunity to move up, make some more money. And it's been one of my most cherished memories in Columbia, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when you were getting moved up to bartender as well. And that was just like, so exciting and everything. So yeah, the, the, the fresh 21-year-old bartender is always Yes. <laughs> what was the training process like for Midwood? Yeah, absolutely. I think our restaurant is a little more intense. Then your standard restaurant, <laughs> not that makes it sound like, like, oh, we're some five-star dining. Um, we really aren't, but Midwood tries to make everyone do six training shifts total if you're going to serve. And one of those will be a hosting shift. If you have serving experience, sometimes they'll let you get away with just doing five serving shifts training and no host shift. But that's pretty standard across the board. A lot of people who have a lot of service industry experience kind of get frustrated when they come to our restaurant and they still get forced to do all those training shifts. But with Midwood, there's a lot of like questions that we have to ask based on why you're ordering off the menu. The menu is really big and we just have a certain way, not to say that everyone does it, but Midwood likes to really take the time to train their employees that there's a certain way we do things. We have certain standards, like some of those being like greet the table. They should sit there no longer than 30 seconds before they're greeted and you're getting their drink order and stuff. So little small things like that. It's kind of like the Midwood way that we try to instill in people is part of the reason we train so much. And then the same kind of goes for bartending, even moving up from serving within the same restaurant. I had to do five yeah, I think five bar training shifts because the same thing. I'd never bartended before. Had I bartended before and already worked there, it might've been less, but around five to six is pretty standard for us. I mean, I feel like that would be helpful, especially when you're not familiar with bartending and just like getting all the the practice. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like too, like with, especially with bartending, I probably wouldn't have even complained if they made me do a couple more because, because there's always going to be something you didn't know. It was funny. Like I was like months into working like as a bartender, but it's still very much a restaurant. You don't make any crazy drinks, you know, you make your signature cocktails, your classic, like rum and Coke, basic stuff, or it's like a lot of draft beer. Cause we're a barbecue spot. And 
people would order these like off the wall, like cocktails that you're just supposed to know how to make as a bartender. And, and, you know, it would take me like a Tom Collins. Like I could, I could almost get it perfect, but I wouldn't know the exact measurements or something like that. And so I'd have to go into the walk-in cooler. And I used to be so embarrassed about it. I'd go into our walk-in cooler and Google it really quick to get my measurements <laughs> right um, before I made it. <laughs> and so I'm like, I probably could have gone a few more training shifts, but some of those things you can just never predict. It comes with time, obviously. Yeah. Especially if like, I feel like customers want to test you and like order these yeah. super crazy drinks. Yeah. Do you have any, I know this is also like a huge question because I'm sure you have tons of memories, but do you have any like standout memories, like either favorite memories or just like crazy stories that you want to share? I think anyone who works in the service industry probably tell you a good number of crazy yeah. stories. I definitely have some highlights for sure. There are two that really stand out to me, but one happened really recently. So I'll share that. Uh, so I was bartending one night and as a bartender at Midwood, you have a lot of responsibilities just simply because of the way our restaurant's set up. So you're not only bartending and making all the drinks for like tables on the floor, you're also obviously have your bar guests that you're serving and then you run all of the to-goes through the bar. So we grab your to-go bag. We go through the to-go bag with you. We offer you extra sauces, extra plasticware, and take your payment, all of that, and get you anything else you could possibly need, which ends up taking a lot of time. So you definitely stay pretty busy. And one night, it's like a weeknight where it's just one bartender on. That was me. And I have a full bar full of bar guests. Like all of our tin stools are full. And then I have a to-go line that's probably like five, six people deep at this point. And I have tickets from the floor, like from servers printing in the well. I'm like, probably have like five, six tickets hanging there waiting to be made. Needless to say, really bad moment for me. I'm really, really, really busy. Well, this woman's sitting like way at the end of the bar, right by where I do the to-go's, you know, so you would think she would see that I'm, I'm really busy, you know, I'm helping these guests and she was totally fine. She had ordered some food. I checked on her, you know, midwood, we tried and say, do the two bite check. So two bites or two minutes, whatever comes first, go ask them, make sure everything's good. I had checked on her already. I was like, she's doing fine. She wasn't even like, she was still actively eating her meals. So I am not going to go over there while I'm really busy because there's no need to. Well, out of nowhere, I finally get my to-go line down, like five, probably five minutes go by. I'm in the drink well, like making all these drinks for these tickets that have been printing and printing and printing because their ticket time is, you know, getting kind of long. And this woman from the opposite side of the bar now quite literally starts like climbing over the bar, probably her waist up, her entire torso is like on top of the bar. And she is screaming at the top of her lungs at me and is like, excuse me. And I'm like, oh, sorry, ma'am. Um, just give me, and I looked down at her and I'm like holding up a finger and I'm like, just one minute, like, sorry. Like, I'm like an utter shock. And I have yeah. a bunch of bar regulars there that night. Yeah. So I have a bunch of bar regulars and they're literally giving me the same expression you are right now. Like jaw drops, like literally. And they're like mouthing to me, like, what the heck is wrong with this woman? And I'm like, I I don't know. I've never seen her before. Like, she's crawling over the bar. Like, I have no idea. So I go down over there and she, I was like, 
oh yeah, like I'm I'm so sorry. Like I've I've gotten really caught up. I've been pretty busy. What can I do for you? And she's like, um, I need a box in the check. And she's like, has this total attitude with me. Her husband or boyfriend or friend, whoever it was, this guy that was with her is like visibly cringing as she's like saying this to me. I'm like, okay, good. It's like, I'm not crazy. Like this woman is literally certifiably insane. And so I go get in the box and the check or whatever and close them out immediately. Like give her my full attention so she can quit crawling over the bar. And the guy she was with had paid and he goes to like write the tip in the line. And like, I, I, at this point, like, I don't know what I did to upset her. And I literally apologized and asked her if there was anything else I could do. Sometimes there's just, you're never going to know, you know? So I'm like, I don't let things like that get to me. I'm like, whatever. And I'm standing there because she like wanted something else. So I'm still standing right by their, like their spot behind the bar. And she looks at me directly in the eyes, but she was speaking to the guy next to her and is like, don't tip her anything. She was horrible. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) like it really, okay. You had a $30 tab maybe. So even 20% would have only been $6. I can live without your $6. Like you just need to go because you are being horrible. And everyone at this bar thinks like you are being horrible. I'm not insane. I've done nothing to you. I was just a little busy and, and I just start walking away and she starts yelling and she was like, did you hear me? Don't tip her anything. Tip her $0. She was off and her, or her husband or this guy or whoever she was with finally looks at her and goes, you need to stop right now. You're being off. Like you're being so horribly rude. Wow. And then they like get up and they storm out. And I was like, whoa. So that was one of my most memorable accounts. I actually, I actually thought she was going to crawl over the bar. And then all the bar railers were like sitting there. They start clapping when she laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. That's amazing. But yeah. Yeah. So that was a pretty, that was a pretty good one for sure. (laughs) Yes. That, wow. I don't even know what I would do in that situation. I mean, I feel like you get some crazy things like when we're on tours and stuff too. Oh, I absolutely. Like kind of, I don't know if that's like service industry, but. Um, it definitely is. I think, yeah. I think the whole tour guide role and any kind of like serving job overlap way more than people ever could imagine they do. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've never, I've never had a serving job, but I like, I can think of like some tour stories and like what people do and like especially in the middle of tours like when they leave or, or just yes. like, they're like bye like, what okay sounds good yeah um, yeah I totally agree I think there's a lot to be said too for like reading people like mm-hmm. especially when I'm bartending and stuff like it's really a lot of your tips are going to come from you know how good you make people feel like how at home you make them feel people come sit at the bar because they want to like chat with you a lot of the time so you really have to make an effort to kind of like build those relationships, make those conversations. And that's so similar to like what we used to do as in our role as tour guides at a big university, you're trying to immediately, you know, you don't have them for that long and mm-hmm. you have them for about the same amount of time, hour, hour and a half. And you're trying to make that relationship to, to really kind of make it significant enough for either in the tour, the kid you choose Carolina or like bartending them to tip you really well and want to come back and do it again, <laughs> you know? So it's kind yeah. of like, very, very similar thing, I think. Yeah, definitely. 
And do you have any customer service pet peeves? Absolutely. I think the list could go on and on and on and on and on. You know, sometimes you have to remember, I have to check myself and realize before I worked in the service industry, I would have never thought of this. You know, like you have to kind of acknowledge sometimes that genuinely people don't mean like any malice by it, but they just don't know. One of my biggest things is like when people run me really bad. So if I come to your table and I'm like, okay, you know, here's your food that you ordered or whatever. Okay. Well, can you grab me your ranch? That's fine. I totally understand like grabbing you one thing, whatever. Well, then I get back to the table. Well, can I have another thing, an extra thing of silverware, extra plate? Sure. Okay. Go get that for you. Come back to the table. Oh, well, can I get some extra ketchup? Oh, Oh, okay, sure. Go grab that guy. Like it ends up like me sprinting, especially if it's like one of the further tables where it's like on the patio. That mm-hmm. alone, like three three runs could take 10 minutes. Like you don't know. So that infuriates me sometimes. Also because people expect you to come back like that with it, which I understand. Like if it's like a dipping sauce or something, you want it for your food. But also you have to understand I have four other tables like over here that also need me. <laughs> so like I can't, go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Just tell me everything you need. Like I'll stand there for a second. Think of it all. Think of it all. And I'll go grab it all in one trip. Um, so running me to death definitely is like a huge, huge pet peeve. And then my other one, I think has to be when, and this is like, I'm not even sure if you can count it as a pet peeve, but I'll say it anyways. <laughs> so when you like have a really good interaction with a table or a guest, And, you know, you think you guys are like really heading it off. And I'm like, wow, like they're going to tip me really great. Like, like they're so great. We've, we've chatted about this, this, and this, like we've, you, I think I really like built that good relationship and that good rapport. And then it's like someone who tips like 10% and then they come back and they like, they becomes kind of a little bit of a regular. And it's like, you hate that because I know you're only going to ever tip me 10%, which is fine if you do that, but I'm going to have to now go talk to my other bar guests because those bar guests took me more. And like, I, this is my job. Like as much as I like talking to you, like this is my job when I'm here to make money. So I'm sorry, 10% every time is going to get you as much conversation as 20, 25, 30% is. And it's horrible when you say that out loud, but it's just like the sad truth of like, I'm there to make money. And like, if we weren't there in this situation where they're a guest and I'm the service industry worker, and this is my job in which my money depends on what they think of me, you know, if it weren't that situation, I would totally go talk to whoever, (laughs) but when you're put in that role of kind of how much someone likes you is contingent on what they're going to pay you. It, it really kind of morphs like, your way of doing things. So I think that always, that always gets to me sometimes. Cause I'm like, gosh, darn it. Like they didn't do me 20%. Like I thought we really had something. <laughs> and I always feel like I read people wrong. Like, oh, maybe they didn't like me as much as I thought they liked me. Maybe they're just being a nice person. So that's less of a pet peeve, but just something funny. I always, that always gets me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would be a huge disappointment if you're like vibing with them and then you just get hit with the 10%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah and then 
do you have like a different I mean I'm sure you do but can you describe like kind of the different respect that you have for other people in the service industry now that you've like worked in it absolutely um I think it does change a lot I know people always say like I think everyone should work a service industry job like once in their life but it really is true you gain a whole new like level of respect for like service industry employees and people that like work those jobs every day, especially because eating out and any kind of really any kind of not necessarily just like food industry, but service industry in general, all that type of stuff. We utilize those services like way more often than not. And so many people I think don't really like understand what goes into it. Especially I think one of the biggest realizations for me was how much more respect I have for like back of house staff, because as someone who just frequents a restaurant, you really have no idea what goes on in the back end and how really difficult that can be. Because oftentimes like outside in front of house, we work for tips and that's required a skill. And the longer you do it, the better you get at it. And you can make some really great money up front if, if you really work at it. Um, But back of house, you know, it's like you're an hourly employee and oftentimes they're way underpaid for like what they're being asked to do, the hours they're being asked to work, especially now since COVID, every, every kitchen is so like short staffed that I know the guys in our kitchen, they work doubles, like every day they work pretty much and they'll just get like a few days off, whatever. But that's hard. Like it's one, it's like a million degrees in a kitchen. You're on your feet all day. And there's constantly people yelling at you, like, you know, and to get paid like a little measly hourly wage, Midwood actually does pay pretty well, especially since the pandemic. I know for our back of house employees, but I know it's really uncommon. Like most places don't. So just kind of recognizing how much work really does go in in the back end. And then also like after having worked like front of house, I really have much more appreciation for the fact that like, that job, one, it's instant money. Like a lot of service industry jobs, at least mine, we get paid out every single night. So that instant gratification is something that like you get really used to. And now like, as I'm about to go in completely like flapping, I've worked in the service industry for the past two and a half years. And now I'm about to be a nurse. (laughs) I'm like going to have to get used to the whole two week, a two week paycheck thing for sure. But I think that being said, one of the biggest things for me was like just understanding that you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. I know like I really try to have an optimistic attitude about all things in life, but like even me, like if I'm having a really bad day, sometimes it's really hard to give one single crap about these people asking questions about barbecue. And I don't mean anything by it, but like sometimes it's really hard to put on a a face and smile and like to do that much customer service every single day. And there's no way to get away from it. Obviously when you're, when you're serving, it's like your whole job, you have to give people grace because you don't know what would happen to them that day. And they still have to come in and clock in that principle applies with most jobs, but I think it really does when you have to interact so closely with guests. So definitely gained a, a much larger respect for that, I think as well, but mostly I think back house employees, people don't understand really what goes into it and have no idea uh, that those are really the backbone of any restaurant. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a, a good thing to think about. And then my last question is, do you have any advice for someone who is working in the service industry or maybe working at a restaurant just from what you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
few, few good pieces of advice. One kind of actually kind of piggybacking off what I just said, but first one is always make friends with the kitchen guys. Um, always do. Whenever we get someone new in the kitchen, I always ask their name. Hey, I'm Sophie, blah, blah, blah. Because one, that's how you get free, free food. Um, mm. That's how you get your food to never be messed up because they see your name on the ticket for that table. Oh, Sophie, you wouldn't want blah, blah, blah. I get prioritized a little bit more when it's for my tables. You know, it just is a real trickle down effect. The kitchen guys like you, your life is going to be a lot easier, especially when you need something like, Hey, you know, I need a, I need a side of fresh jalapenos, whatever. They'll drop anything if they like you, but if they don't like you, they're going to take 10 years to get you that side of fresh jalapenos. So make friends with the kitchen guys for sure. The second thing is I think don't take it too seriously. Like I always used to tell people, you know, I'm like, restaurants are very dramatic and no matter what restaurant you work in, there will always be someone crying. There will always be someone screaming. It's all about the drama. (laughs) Um, So I used to always tell people, I really want to get too bothered by it and kind of, I lived for it. I love to hear all about it, but I didn't want to be involved. And I would always tell people, I was like, are y'all really serious? Like it's just a barbecue restaurant. It's literally, are you really getting this banana shape about barbecue? And that same, although not every restaurant is a barbecue restaurant, that same principle applies no matter where you go. It's just a burger joint. Like, you know, like how are you ever going to possibly get this upset? Like it's fine. And you're going to have a new table in 30 minutes and you're going to have a whole new customer base tomorrow and you can do it all over again. It'll be much better. But I think just not taking it too serious and realizing that it's not like, I think for me, it was always a stark contrast because in school I was like doing like nursing, like I could literally kill someone if I give them the wrong med. And then on the other hand, I'm like serving up barbecue. Oh, boohoo. Like you got pork instead of chicken. Like that's an easy fix. Like let's relax. It's just barbecue. So I think the principle of it's just barbecue definitely applies and is advice everyone should take because restaurants can be so, so dramatic. And then the last thing is just be reliable. I think that's the easiest way to move up in any service industry job because so many people in the service industry aren't. So if you want to move up, get kind of a different position, whatever, get better shifts, whatever the case may be, just be reliable. I found that was one of the easiest things that I could have ever done. And one of the things that ended up helping me the most and made my managers like me a lot more, made my coworkers like me a lot more because they could rely on me showing up and not calling out all the time and then showing up on time. So I think those are my three things that I would definitely advise future people. Yes, that's awesome. I think that's great advice. Uh, well, thank you so much, Sophie, for being on the podcast again. Yeah, I really appreciate course. it. Thanks uh, for having me. Yes, of course. That was definitely a fun interview. I really enjoyed listening to Sophie's stories. She's such a great storyteller. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. So if you have made it this far, make sure you rate, review, follow, anything you can do on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps out the show and it helps me out. But... I will see you guys next week for another episode of the service industry on the Pondering Polymath podcast.